Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. As often is the case, my idea for a podcast came to me while answering emails and comments this week because there's one that seemed to pop up quite a bit. And I think a lot of it is people are buying a lot of new tarantulas right now. There's a lot of people picking them up. The weather's warmed up. A lot of good deals out there and promos. And so everybody's buying tarantulas. And then what ends up happening is that they get them and set them up. And that's when the questions start. So what happened this week is I went to play catch up on my email box because I've been woefully behind on it. And while playing catch up, I ended up running into three emails that were pretty much the exact same thing, almost right in a row. And basically, I'm not going to read the actual emails out, but I'll kind of encapsulate. It was somebody that had had a tarantula and it was climbing all over the enclosure and wasn't settling in. And they were wondering if something was wrong with the tarantula or if something was wrong with the setup. And in all three cases, it ended up these were tarantulas that they had just acquired. I think one had been a day, one of, the, one of them had been a couple days, and one of them had been a week. And I think this is one of the things that causes people stress when they pick up tarantulas because even folks that do all the research and, and read up and figure out how to set up the enclosures correctly, they get the spider, they put it in the enclosure, and and they expect it to do what they've read that it'll do. In other words, if it's got an arboreal species, they're expecting it to go hide or do some webbing immediately. If it's a heavy webbing, heavy webbing species, again, they're expecting the webbing. If it's terrestrial, we hear about you know putting hides in there, so we expect the tarantula to immediately go into that area beneath the hide and take refuge there. If it's a fossorial, we expect them to immediately start digging. Well, the truth is that doesn't always happen instantaneously. In fact, most times or many times that takes a while for it, the tarantula to actually settle into the enclosure. And I've one of the great things about the podcast that I've found is that when I get asked a bunch of questions about the same topic, so in this case, it's tarantula settling in, and that's going to be our topic for today, it allows me to kind of address it in the long form. You know, if you do a video, you're kind of, you have to encapsulate everything. In this format, I can kind of lay everything out there. And I don't think I've covered this one to this degree, at least the, the settling in part. And I think it is something that I've kind of, not shown enough appreciation for as being one of the real stressors of people that just get into the hobby. One of the people that emailed had just picked up three different slings and they none of the slings had settled in. They were in panic mode and I get it because I can remember setting mine up. It's like you panic when they bury, you panic when they're hanging up in the corners. You, you're not used to watching them. You're not used to what uh, you know constitutes normal behavior for them. So you're going to start to freak out because all you've read about doing all your research is the fact that, you know, the arboreals, they're going to do a little webbing. Some of them will do a web sock. Some of them will do a little web hammock up top and they'll be perfectly fine. They'll stay there and hunt from there. You know, your terrestrials are going to use the hides, which, which the funny part about that is for those of us who've kept a lot of the, especially the beginner tarantula species, the majority of them outgrow their hides and don't even use them. They sit right out in the open, but we expect them to go in their hides. And then fossorials cause a lot. I get a lot of worried emails from people that are like, I just picked up a C. lividus and I put it in its enclosure and it's just sitting all crunched up in the corner and it's not digging is there something wrong with it so I figured this would make a good topic moving ahead a because it's something you know that I think needs to be discussed and revisited and b because it's going to make it a lot easier for me when I get these emails in the future to hopefully just go here you go here's a podcast to listen to although I will say I've had a couple instances in the past couple months where somebody's asked me a question and I went hey I, I did a whole podcast of this. if you want to give this one a listen and the person's like nah I don't really do podcasts could you just explain it to me and I was like no I don't have the time right now one of them, I think, was about putting slings in adult enclosures, and I obviously did the whole podcast on that, which I thought I laid everything out there, and the person didn't want to be bothered with it. So, you know, I get not wanting to listen to a long podcast. I know some people aren't into podcasts, 
But unfortunately, it's, that's how I've got the information, and I'm not able to do the super long email sometimes. So unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't work, but it's a good theory. Just be able to do the podcast and hand them off to people. At least everybody here is listening to them. So anyway, let's move on to the topic at hand. First off, what does it look like when a tarantula isn't settled into its enclosure? That can be, you know, one of the things that bothers people because I've had people that will email and go, hey, it's sitting there right out in the open, spread out. Obviously, it's not settled in. That could be a settled in tarantula. So let's look at some of the things that, you know, you could look for to decide whether or not your tarantula is actually settled in or not. Number one, scrunched up in a corner. I get this one quite a bit. There's something wrong with my tarantula. I also get a lot of people that show me pictures of this and think it's in the death curl. It's different. When they're scrunched up in a stress pose, what they do is they pull their legs up over the top of their carapace and kind of over their eyes. It's different than a a curl, a death curl, when they curl their legs beneath them. So I get a lot of people that email, I think my tarantula is dying and it's a stress pose. But then unfortunately, I tell them it's a stress pose and then they freak out because they're like, why is it stressed? So that's one way. Usually what they do is end up in a corner. Sometimes they don't even end up in a corner. I've had specimens I've rehoused that scrunch right up right in the middle of the enclosure right out in the open and that's a tough one too because they generally won't move until the lights go out and then they find a place that's a bit more secure usually ends up end up in a corner sometimes right off the bat they end up in their hide and they're fine the other thing you'll see for a spider that hasn't settled in is the wandering they wander around almost like mature males wander around i have two spiders that i rehoused i think about three weeks ago four weeks ago around there my brachypelma baby or boy me or million different pronunciations or my brachypelma erratum both of them got new enclosures both around the same size like the three and a half maybe four inch mark and both of them wandered all the way around the enclosure the erratum is still wandering around her enclosure she hasn't quite settled down yet the baby finally started doing some digging has been on the ground and kind of half uses her hide but a spider that's wandering around is usually a spider that's not settled in yet, that's antsy. Generally, they're ambush predators. They hide, they ambush things, they don't go around hunting. So that's usually a sign that it hasn't settled in and kind of freaks people out. Because again, you've read all these things about them using hides. You've read about them being secretive. And all of a sudden, it's just wandering around the entire enclosure. And then the other one to go along with the wandering is they are often on walls. You'll see them climbing up the walls. This is why it drives me nuts sometimes where people will put them in stuff that has the screen tops and they'll go, oh no, it's okay. It's not going to climb. Well, a lot of times they will climb right off the bat. That's usually when you're going to see that climbing behavior is before they settle in, they go around, they sense the airflow going through those areas. And we sometimes forget that when we're, you know, we set up what we think is the perfect environment for this spider. Like, hey, look at you got everything you need. That kind of goes against some of their natural behavior because in nature, they're going to wander around a bit until they find that spot that they like, the one that works for them. We give them limited options. Now, granted, they're not, as we've already made very clear, they're not animals who go wandering around all the time. Males will. Females generally find their burrows. They stay in there. But when they do wander, it's when they're first looking for a new area to make residence in you know some of them they're digging burrows some of them are going out finding burrows that are already there or finding hides natural hides under rocks under stumps whatever it may be they do some wandering at that point to find a place to stay we give them a much smaller area when we rehouse them and they kind of go around that area looking for that perfect spot and unfortunately they've only got so many options because they've got whatever we've given them and we'll get into that a little bit so i think that's always something to keep in mind is people are like well if they wander around it means something very very wrong no it means and they just didn't find something that was exactly what they wanted with what we set up and now they're 
going around trying to find a better area to make their residence. It's not a perfect science. And I often have people say, well, I've noticed mine's showing a lot of attention to the air vents. That's because they, they detect there's air current through there. They detect that could be a place that they could go out, explore, and possibly find something that's more suitable to them. So always keep that in mind. So we're looking at the scrunched up in the corner, the wandering, the enclosures, the on the walls. Those are all signs that your tarantula hasn't settled in yet. And if you've had your tarantula, I would say from anywhere from, you know, one day to even almost a month, depending on the species and the size, this can be very normal behavior. This is nothing to panic about. Now, does that mean that there aren't things that we should be kind of doing or doing a, like a mental checklist to make sure that the enclosures are set up correctly? No, you absolutely should make sure that you have things set up correctly to begin with. And I think that's where things get a little difficult sometimes because you've, you've got the spider, you're brand new, you've set up the enclosure really well, you put the spider in, it's not doing what it's supposed to, and this results to an email to me asking what's wrong. And then usually what ends up happening is I go, well, can you send me a picture of the enclosure? And we take it from there. And I will say most of the time the enclosures are set up really well, and sometimes I pick up some things that might have made it easier for the spider, spider to settle in. So let's take a moment to just go over what some things we should have when we set up these enclosures and things you should be looking at or looking for if you're spiders not settling in in a normal amount of time or even if you spiders you know you've had it for a week or so and it's not settling in you're trying to figure out could you have done something wrong here are some things to look for so for terrestrials obviously we have the standard general setup where you have a hide you have a water dish most of us use water dishes you have substrate you might have some fake foliage or even real plants or real foliage in there and that's our general setup but Right off the bat, you want to make sure you have a hide. And the big issue I see with the hides lately is people will put in stuff that is much too large for the spider that they're housing. So, for example, I had somebody email, said I just bought, I think it was a Brachypelma smith. He was about an inch and a half, inch and a quarter long. It was starting to show some of its adult colors. And they said it doesn't seem to be settling in really well and it's not using its hide, which specimen that size might abandon the hide. Usually around that size, they're still kind of using mine or I'll still use them. Well, anyway, I asked for a picture and what they did was the old terracotta, I think it's terracotta pots with the planting pots that they put in there sideways. And the thing was enormous, like offered an, uh, an area underneath that would easily accommodate a full adult and they had this little you know sling larger sling slash juvenile that wasn't using that area well it to you got to think about the size of the spider when you create your hides and your burrows if you have a half an inch spider or inch and a half spider you're going to want a burrow that's closer to the ground they they find spots that feel secure they want spots that feel tight around them if they walk into now we see that as look at it's a hide it's a little shelter for it this is perfect these aren't just shelters shelter from the elements like we'd put up a tent or something in the in the forest if we went camping these are cozy little hides like their beds this is where they get down they want them kind of tight so one thing to look at right off the bat is when you're housing it make sure that your that whatever you use for hide your cork bark your terracotta pot your whatever it may be i've seen cans i don't get the can thing very much but i've seen people use cans whatever you're using for hide should offer just a bit of area underneath enough for the spider to get underneath but you should also make sure that when you put substrate in, put enough substrate in there that the spider can dig it out a little bit. Because what they will do is they will go to that tight little area, and if they need a little more room, they'll dig it up a little bit, probably stack a little dirt toward the front to close that gap to the point where they can just barely get out. Because, again, they want a nice, cozy spot. They don't want this huge open area that's only basically covered in three sides with the front open. So that's an issue I see sometimes when people set them up, is they put something in in their minds, like this is going to be a good hide, but the spider doesn't even acknowledge it because it doesn't 
register as a hide to them. It's too open when they get inside. There's too much light getting in. There's too much airflow. So always make sure the hide is proportionate to the size of the spider. If you want to use a, large, a larger hide, because obviously the spiders are going to grow and then they're going to outgrow the hide. What you want to do is fill in underneath with dirt or plant it a bit. So say I have a smaller spider. I'm giving it some room to grow. I, this sometimes happens with Formictopus species because they tend to put on size very quickly. So what might be a big hide to start off would be a small hide a couple molts down the road. What you can do is you kind of plant them in the ground, fill some dirt in underneath, and then kind of make a starter burrow underneath it. So that way you start with a little hole. The spider can go dig it out as it needs it. And as it continues to grow, it'll probably continue pulling soil out of there to give itself more room. That's one trick. But don't just take the, like I always look at, what are they called? The hubba huts, the pine. I think they're made of pine or something, but use them for snakes usually, but they're like the half, half cylinders and people just drop those in and they're open at both ends and they're pretty big and they'll expect their spider to hide and the spider won't even use it because A, it's open at both ends and B, there's a bunch of space underneath it. You don't want to use your hide like that. You want to plant the back of it into the ground so that there's not two exits to it and fill it with some dirt underneath and then use your fingers to make like a little hole so the spider can go in there. That usually helps quite a bit. Now, when talking about hides, I think we have our standard, as we mentioned earlier, the standard setup for a tarantula enclosure usually looks something like a bunch of dirt you have a hide at one end you have a water dish at the other end and you have a bunch of plants and we do those we set them up and we expect the spider to immediately be enamored with them one idea i'd like to propose is that you and it could cost a little bit but use two hides or use multiple hides or create a situation where there are by stacking cork bark where there are many little nooks and crannies the spider can get into that gives the spider more of a choice of where it wants to create its home create its den and again i get because i've been in the same situation where i what i'll do is i'll pick up a bunch of cork bark and to start off obviously you have all these pieces so i'll set up these awesome enclosures where there's a bunch of different pieces i did this with my i think it was my diamantinensis i put a bunch of different ones in there and let it pick and then what ends up happening is you start needing more cork bark, you start running out of cork bark, and you start going back to the one, which is totally okay. It's just if you give them more options, generally it gives them more opportunity to kind of choose which one's right for them, and they tend to settle in more quickly. And one thing you can do that I've tried a couple times has worked well is that instead of just putting the hide on one end of the enclosure and then the water dish on the other, putting a bunch of hides around both sides. Because sometimes I've noticed certain spiders like to be near the light during the day. I know we all say they're photosensitive and they don't like the light, but I've noticed lots of evidence that I have many species, including some of my brockies and grandma stolas, that will actually press themselves up to the sunny side of the glass or of the plastic of their enclosures like they want the light toward them. And I've had some that if you put the hides over there, they will adapt to those hides on that side. So just the idea is to give them a bit of a choice because again in the wild when they get to pick their home they have free reign granted they're exposed to predators and whatnot but at that period with a female you know you have the young female that's venturing out needs a bigger hide she goes out and she can kind of shop around and find something that works for her until she feels comfortable and can settle in and when we set up the enclosures we give them one choice that's a lot of times I think why we get them roaming around because we're looking at it like hey I just gave you this awesome hide the spider's looking at it like okay nope that doesn't work for me what else do we have around here so using a couple different things for hides giving them some options i find is a great way to go i'm about to order some cork bark soon i gotta order a big thing of cork bark because i'm quite frankly close to being out of the bigger pieces and one of the things i want to do is i have some spiders i'm going to rehouse in the future that i'm going to do something like this with and probably do a video of it and explain it because i have found that it works well for me and i have found that when i have done it the spiders tend to settle in more quickly 
So those are a couple things to think of when rehousing terrestrials. Also, putting in foliage. The idea of foliage isn't just to make it look pretty. It does have a function, and that is it gives cover or supplies cover to the tarantulas. It works for all three types of tarantulas we're going to talk about, terrestrial, arboreal, and fossorial. So putting in some vines along the side of the enclosure, I found that putting in some sphagnum moss in some areas, key areas, using leaf litter, giving things that the spider can kind of hide behind or use to create their burrow, often helps a bit too because it gives them more places to kind of settle in. I've had ones where they've completely ignored the hide, but they've webbed up underneath the sphagnum moss that I put around the side of the hide, which is totally fine. As long as they're comfortable, we're okay. So those are things to think of when housing terrestrials. Now for fossorials, the big one I get, and I think there's a lot of stuff out there on websites that'll say, hey, they're fossorial species, they'll dig their own burrow, so you don't need to give them a starter burrow or a hide. And I really don't agree with that. I think if you really want them to settle in more quickly, you definitely want to give them a hide to start off. It just makes sense. Because what'll happen is I've seen people that send me pictures like I have, the last one I got was a C. Lividus. And they had, you know, a bunch of substrate. It was mo- suitably moist, but it was a barren enclosure. There was nothing. There were no starter burrows. There was no hide. There was a water dish and a bunch of dirt. And the thing was just curled up in the corner and started the web. And the guy's like, listen, I don't know why this isn't burrowing. So I tried to explain that, all right, I know that technically speaking, they're eventually going to make their own burrows, but you want to give them a head start by giving them something to hide under in the interim. Because what will usually happen, those guys are usually very, very shy. So what will usually happen is they will take to that burrow, at least hide underneath the burrow while the lights are on. And then if you're lucky, they start digging under that burrow. So if you position it right, if you position it in a spot where you're going to be able to see where its burrow is, like in a corner, what will happen is the spider will go in there, it'll start digging up some dirt during the night, you come in the next day, you'll have all the dirt stacked up against the front of the burrow because it's already started digging in the back. That just gives it security until it can actually do its thing. So I always encourage flat out every enclosure I ever do, I put a hide in, it doesn't matter which species it is. I do not agree with the idea that you don't need to give them to fossorials. I think they, they really benefit from them sometimes more than the terrestrials, at least initially. Always give them a hide. Give them a little starter burrow. One trick to do too is if, say you want to give them a a hide in one corner and the other corners, you can start some starter burrows in the corners to kind of give them a spot to go in. And I've noticed a lot of fossorials, they'll go to explore around the perimeter. They'll find one of those divots. Like if you make a hole right down one of the corners and they'll start their burrow right up there, which is great because the idea is we want them to settle in as quickly as possible, especially considering most of the fossorial species, especially the moisture dependent ones are going to be your fastest feisty old worlds. These are the ones where it behooves you to make sure that they burrow sooner than later so you don't have a crazy spider that's running around feeling insecure and defensive because it's out in the open. So you always want to make sure you start them off with the burrows. Again, there's nothing to say. And I've had people ask, well, what happens if they don't use the other ones? Fill them in. If it goes and uses, if you do... Say I set it up like I've done this before where I've put a piece of cork bark in and kind of made a starter burrow in one corner. The next corner, I just make a hole that goes down a few inches to give it enough spot, you know, space for the spider to get down in. And then I do the same thing for the other two corners. When the spider eventually digs in and starts creating its burrow, you can just go fill those other ones in. No problem. I mean, it looks a little unsightly at first to have all the holes in the side. So just fill them in. No big deal. But I do think that's where a lot of the, you know, setups that I've seen that people have sent me have kind of, 
they've gone. I don't like to say go wrong because it's not wrong, but it's going to make it so it takes longer for your spider to set in. But that's probably the most common thing for the fossorials is they've read you don't need to give them a starter burrow or a hide because they're not going to use it. And I disagree with that, that many of them will use it. Many For many of them, that will give them that safe place to start off their digging. And then again, with fossorials, once, you know, don't underestimate the value of putting some fake foliage or real foliage in there. I can't tell you how many times I've put in a plant on one side and the thing's webbed up beneath the plant. Next thing you know, it, it's burrowing beneath the plant. Totally okay. Give them some cover because it's all about them feeling secure. They're not wandering around because they're jacked up or they're angry or they're defensive. They're wandering around because they haven't found a place yet that they feel is appropriate for them to make their home. So they're feeling antsy. They're feeling uncomfortable. They're feeling exposed. And for a trick for the moisture dependent fossorial species I found, and this is one... It generally works a little better if you've had time to set up your enclosure a little while before the spider shows up, but it can work either way. But what you do is you set up your quintessential, you know, moist substrate. You put in your hide with the starter burrow beneath it, but you let the top layer dry out a little bit. And then before you rehouse the spider, dump some water directly into the burrow so it's nice and moist. And what you will find or what often happens with the moisture dependent species is they will, as they're exploring, immediately find that moist area and recognize that's where they want to start burrowing and start burrowing into that moist substrate straight there and I've had it work quite a few times with some of the moisture dependent species where they go right to that moist spot what the last time I rehoused I believe it was my Selena Cosmia Crassipes I had set up the enclosure a long ways beforehand so the top had dried out so I poured some water down the burrow and she immediately like she was out did one of the things where she scrunched up in the corner a couple hours later she was in that burrow she was digging within two hours or so so that's another trick to make sure that you pour some water in the burrow it'll also work if you just have general moist substrate if you put a burrow down and it's nice and moist underneath generally they're going to be attracted to it they're going to think you know they're going to find that to be the most suitable area to start digging but it works even better if the tops dried out a little bit it seems they they really go right to those moist spots so something to think about there. And then as always with fossorial species, don't skimp on the substrate. That's another thing I see sometimes is people will get a fossorial species. They'll go, I don't understand why it's not doing any digging. I'll get a picture of the enclosure and it's like, well, you've got a three inch spider and you've got about two inches of dirt. That's really not enough. Make sure you give them enough room to dig in. Most, most people do a really good job of this. I think sometimes what happens is we set up the enclosures, especially if you're just into getting into keeping the fossorial species and you underestimate how much dirt you need or you have a situation where you start off with good old cocoa fiber you have you know you have five inches of it to kick it off nice moist cocoa fiber and within a month you have about an inch well maybe not that bad but it does really kind of collapse a bit as it dries out it really settles and you end up with less i've had this happen i had an obt that i rehoused years ago and i gave her like four inches of cocoa fiber and then later on the video somebody was like man you really didn't give that one enough substrate well i did to start off with but it settled a great deal and then what i was left with was like two inches it didn't really look like a lot so that's something to keep in mind too with fossil oils always make sure you consider which media you're using and make sure you put enough of it in there so that when it settles or if it settles that you still have enough left for the spider to add adequately burrow and hide itself. All right, so we've covered terrestrials, we've covered fossorial species. Again, there's some common threads in there with giving them the dens or the burrows, starter burrows, and it should come as no big surprise then that a lot of this also applies to arboreal specimens. Now, with the boreals, foliage, incredibly important, probably more so than when the terrestrials are fossorials because the terrestrials are going to usually duck underneath that burrow or that hide that you've provided them eventually. If, or if it's one that's going to use it, you get the ones that just sit out in the open. The fossorial species hopefully will eventually find a spot where they can start digging their burrows. 
The Arboreals, the, the biggest mistake I see, or the biggest you know misstep I see new keepers make is that they underestimate the importance of populating that hide with some fake or real foliage. I, I get a lot of you know arboreal setups where it's the container, a bare piece of cork bark, a little water dish, and nothing else. And that's not a good setup to have your arboreal set in. You want to make sure with the arboreals that they have that foliage to hide behind. These aren't, you got to remember, in the wild, they're not going to be sitting right out on a bare tree limb right out in the open where things can predate on them. They're going to be hiding amongst the foliage. Most of them are going to be staying out of sight. And it's the same thing for a, a setup in your home. You want to make sure there are plenty of places for them to hide. So again, you obviously start off with your, your hide. Most of us use cork bark. You could use rounds. You can use flats. A good thing with the rounds, if you use a full round, the spiders, a lot of the spiders will adapt very well to just going inside and making its home inside that round. The bad news is you're rarely going to see your spider, but you know you got to figure out what's more important to you. If you use a cork bark flat, the trick is to lean it against the side of the enclosure at an angle and fill in behind it with something so give it a little extra substrate throw some sphagnum moss back there put some foliage up on the sides because you again almost like the same principle that we had with the terrestrials where if you give them a hide that's too spacious they're not going to even register it as a hide they're going to still feel out in the open same thing with using the cork bark flats you want to make sure that when they go behind that cork bark flat they can get underneath some of that sphagnum to start and you'll find the majority of them will end up right up underneath the substrate or underneath the sphagnum moss there and then they'll start webbing around. They'll make their burrow out of that uh, that area there. But if you just throw in a piece propped up against the side, like I've seen these ones where it's like the AMAC boxes and they put a piece of cork bark flat and the thing's like wide open. The spider is not even registering it as being secure or as a hide. And that's, that's going to cause you some problems. So always make sure if you're using the flats, you put something behind them. You'll notice in my videos, I usually shove some sphagnum moss back there and it's worked very well for me. The last one I think I rehoused was my piece Letheria regalis, and I used the cork bark flat. I was out of the rounds, and I shoved a bunch of stuff behind it, and it built a nice little burrow right behind it, sort of in the same way it would build one in the crook of a tree out in the wild. So make sure you give them lots of foliage all around the enclosure, around the side of the whatever hide you use around the water dish area sometimes helps because they'll skirt around. They'll, they'll tend to, when they go out and venture out, stay behind that foliage because again, it helps them feel secure. It helps them feel hidden like they're not exposed. And again, like with the terrestrials and fossorials, there's nothing wrong with giving them multiple hides. I've played with this before when I've done some arboreal species and given them a couple different hides and then kind of play the game, which one will it pick? Kind of fun, but don't be afraid. That's one thing I'd like to introduce into the podcast. The idea, if anybody walks away with anything from this podcast is don't be afraid to experiment and go beyond what the normal quintessential, you know, standard setup is. Feel free to add some extra hides in there. See what happens. Feel free to add extra hides with foliage. It's it's really just going to give your spider more options when it goes to settle in. Now, talking about arboreals, there are a couple different, we, we always talk about arboreals and we clump them all together, but there's almost like, we almost got to break them into two groups. Because for one, you have the avicularia species. And a lot of the avicularia species, are the, at least all the ones I've dealt with, immediately go arboreal. Even as slings, they're up high. They're up in a corner. That could be an issue where they settle up in a corner. It's If they settle up in a corner, it means that was the most secure spot for them. When they were going around exploring their environment, they didn't find anything that you put in there to be particularly secure. So they go right up to where they feel all those, you know, the, the 
the three sides come together, it makes a little corner. They just feel more secure, even though they're right out in the open. So that's those avicularia species. You want to really make sure you use a lot of the fake foliage. Try to put the fake foliage clumped together in a way like where you want the spider to settle. Because if you put enough fake foliage in there and enough stuff, like if you put a hide in, you put enough stuff behind the hide, fake foliage around the hide and around the sides, usually they will find those spots to be adequate and start webbing in there. If you don't, or if there's a huge space between, one thing I've seen is people will get a, a tall enclosure and only put a little stubby piece of cork bark in. And what'll end up happening is they want to go up. So they keep going up. And what happens is they go up and suddenly there's nothing, there's no cover, they're exposed. And guess where they end up? Right in that corner. So that's really important when setting up the, you know, the true arboreals, the spiders that are arboreal right from the get-go, that you really make sure that you put some thought into how you set it up and where you want the spider ultimately to end up. And that's going to be important, again, to use that foliage. Some web, some don't. I've had people freak out because certain species of vicular, like Carabina versicolor, which are very close to avicularia and used to be avicularia, will do a lot of webbing. I've had the Metallicas, the well, but used to be Metallica, now the Morph 6, avicularia Morph 6. They don't do as much, or in my opinion, or my experience, they don't do as much webbing. It's more about them feeling secure where they are. You'll know when they'll do a little webbing, they'll find themselves a little niche, a little area, and that's where they hang out. So you want to make sure that you provide them with as many opportunities to do that as possible. One trick I've also found that if you're worried about the spider settling up in a corner, sometimes setting the enclosure under a bright light, they will tend to try to stay away from the bright light, and that keeps them from going up and hiding right in that corner. And I've had some good luck doing that when I use the larger 32-ounce deli cups with them. They tend to want to go right up to the top. So what I'll do is set up the enclosures, put in my cork bark, put in my plants, put in the sphagnum, gather everything up, put the spider in, and then immediately set it under a light because they're going to try to hide from the light and they're going to be more likely to adapt to one of the areas you set up for them. Now, going back to the idea that there are different types of arboreals, we talk about the avicularia species, the genus avicularia, and obviously it includes carabina, that they tend to go arboreal right from the get-go. We have other species that, not unfortunately, but they don't necessarily act like arboreals from the get-go. So I'm thinking of Lampropelma, Pisolotheria, Omothymus, I know I'm missing one. Flamingochylus, I think. A lot of these ones start off, even some of my Salmopias and my Tapetokinias I've seen will start off as almost almost fossorial, like a low-grade fossorial. They won't dig deep, but they'll stay toward the ground. They'll do some digging. They'll create dens closer to the ground or underneath the ground. They'll web up. They'll do the dirt curtains. They're not going to hang out on the cork bark like a true arboreal would. So you want to keep that in mind when you set up enclosures for these, the the genera mentioned here, that you're going to give them more substrate than you would avicularia species. So for an avicularia species, for a little sling, I might put an inch of substrate in there, half an inch of substrate. You know, you don't have to go nuts with the substrate with that species, but with a Lampropelma, I'm going to give it two or three inches because it's going to do some digging. It's going to go to the bottom of that cork bark, dig, make a little pit for itself, web it up with a little silk sock, use some of the sphagnum, leaf litter, whatever you put in there to build areas around it, walls around behind it, some curtains, and it's going to basically live almost fossorial for a while, so fossorially. So you want to make sure you keep that in mind when setting up some of these species because I've had people that get a Lampropelma, somebody that had an Ovilocyte that they picked up as a sling and they set up in one of the typical AMAC, but little rectangular AMAC boxes. And it was just basically a half inch of substrate, some cork bark and a little water dish. And that was it. And they're like, I don't think this one's settling in. It basically went right to the top of the AMAC box and was all scrunched up. And then they found it on the ground and were afraid it was dead. And I was trying to explain that you want to give it a little more, you know, again, a lot of these guys are moisture dependent too. So you want to give it that moist substrate and moist substrate tends to hold on to the moisture. If it's deeper, if it has more depth to it. So I said, you want to go in 
add some more substrate in there, put plant the cork bark a little bit into it, pretend like it's almost, you're planning for almost fossorial behavior, shove some moist sphagnum behind there and see what happens. And luckily they rehoused it, which is sometimes a pain in the butt, and we'll get to that in a minute. And it settled right in, went behind the cork bark, dug. I, was, I felt, I love when that happens because it makes me sound like I actually know what I'm talking about because there's nothing worse when you recommend something and it doesn't work and they're like, you told me this would happen and it didn't. This case it did, it settled right in. So keep in mind, depending on the arboreal species you're getting, do your homework, know which one you're getting. If you're getting one of those, you know, Old world species, they are going to do Pisolotheria, notorious for doing mine, all started off doing some burrowing. They all would go right behind the base of the cork bark, start digging in there, dig a little hole. I even have some adults that still use their dens underneath the cork bark. So some of them don't even completely outgrow the behavior, but always keep that in mind. That's something that will help them settle in. Again, if you set them up in a straight up arboreal setup without any foliage, without any cover, without enough room to dig, without any stuff and materials to make dirt curtains out of, expect that your spider is going to be scrunched up in a corner somewhere, either on the ground or in the corner of the enclosure, and not settle in very quickly. They, that's something that I've seen many times with photos people have sent me, just Here's my piece of theria. I set it up like an arboreal. I don't get why it's not settling in. And it's because it's missing that component that's going to allow it to burrow a bit as a sling. So that covers arboreals. We've covered the fossorials. We've covered terrestrials. Obviously, there are some similarities between the setups and some things that you should do regardless of the tarantula. One is making sure it has a den or even dens. That's the thing we're introducing into this one. Give it some options. The importance of making sure that there is foliage or cover for the spider until it settles in. That's very important. Also, making sure that whatever you use for a hide is appropriately sized, or if you're using something bigger, you fill in behind it. If it's an arboreal, fill it with sphagnum moss, leaf litter, whatever. Make a little area for the spider to kind of hide itself in. If you're using a, doing a terrestrial, plant it in the ground a little bit. Use your fingers. You know, fill it completely in. Fill the whole thing under in, and then use the back of a paintbrush. Your fingers open a little hole in it so that the spider feels safe and secure. It should feel a little tight for the spider. They like those tight areas. So that's basically some things to think about when setting it up and things to think about if you have a spider that's not settling in in a reasonable amount of time. Hopefully that serves as kind of a checklist. So it, it, I think part of it, it should set your mind at ease to know that it's very natural for a spider to do some roaming. Even if you do all this stuff, even if you set it up correctly, give it all these options, it's very natural for a spider to spend some time roaming around and feeling insecure. Now, one thing you need to know if you decide that your setup is not correct and you go ahead and rehouse the spider or you take the spider out, you redo its whole enclosure, you need to understand that you've just potentially reset that clock for it to settle in. And the reason I say this is because I've had situations where people have shown me pictures. Hey, could you take a look at my enclosure? I don't know what's going on. It's not settling in. And I've come back with, all right, you want to add some more substrate. You want to, you know, all the things we've done here, I won't get into specifics, but basically mention some of the points we have here. And the person's gone ahead and done it. And then I get an email a couple days later. Um, I did everything you said. I rehoused it. It's still not settled in. Well, keep in mind, you've just changed its environment again. One of the things they do when they're exploring is they're getting the hang of their environment. They're getting used to this place. They're feeling more comfortable in it. Just like if you move to a new area, say I drop, you know, I move to a new town. It's going to take me a while to kind of venture out in my car, figure out the lay of the land, where things are. Imagine you do that. And then one day you wake up and the whole town's changed. It's going to throw you off. So it's the same thing with spiders. If you find yourself in a situation where you feel like it's necessary to redo the housing, to redo the setup, to make it more conducive to the spider settling in and being comfortable, then recognize that you're potentially resetting the clock as in terms of how long it's going to take it to settle in. Sometimes it works great. I've had situations, and I've done this myself, where I've 
house something and decided within a week I didn't like it, like either it was too big or the spider wasn't settling in and redone it. And I've had ones that had settled in immediately after that. You give them something a little tighter, they go right in like, oh, good, perfect. We fixed it. And I've had other situations where I've tweaked things out and the spider, again, takes a little while to settle in. That's totally normal. Just recognize that if you do find yourself in a situation where you do change things up, it can seem to you like a very trivial change. You could be shoving some more sphagnum in an area where there was no sphagnum before. That seems like nothing to you, but the spider may register that as something major. Something huge has happened to its environment and may take it longer to settle in after that. So honestly, when spiders aren't settled in, it, it's nothing to panic about. One thing I normally ask, and usually the first question I ask when people say, you know, I have a spider and it hasn't settled in. Well, the first question I ask is, when did you get it? Because a lot of times it's like, hey, I have a spider. It's wandering all around. I don't get it. I, I got it a while ago. When did you get it? Oh, three days ago. That's not a while. you got a ways to go. One thing I usually ask right off the bat is, has the spider eaten? Because a spider that's eaten, that's a good sign that even if it's not completely settled in yet, it's comfortable enough to feed. That's a, that's a positive sign. That's something where even if your spider's roaming all around, like I was talking about my Brachypelma baimi and my Brachypelma erratum, they were both wandering around. They were also both eating like pigs. They had no problem eating. So although they were exploring, they seemed to be a little unsettled. They had no problem eating. They were sitting right out in the open, scarfing down a bunch of crickets. That's a good sign. So even if your spider's roaming around, isn't where you want it to be, doesn't seem to be taking to its dens, doesn't seem to be secure, maybe it's even scrunched up. I will say the scrunched up ones tend to just ignore the prey items, at least while the lights are on. I've had situations where they've been scrunched up and I've dropped a prey item in and they've sprung to life and grabbed it. I've had other ones where the crickets run right over the top of it, which has probably made them even more stressed out. If they're scrunched up, that's something you want to be a little careful with. But if they're out wandering, they're active, a lot of times they will still feed. And then you can at least have the reassurance that this new animal you picked up is eating. That tends to be one for a lot of people that freaks them out when they pick one up and it doesn't feed right off the bat. If it's eating, it's usually a sign that it's doing quite well. And then as for the other signs that they're settling in, they're pretty obvious. For an arboreal species, you're looking for it to do at least a little bit of webbing, find a spot. You'll see a lot of times they'll drag in sphagnum and make little curtains for themselves. Other species like avicularia will find a spot between some leaves or around the cork bark where they'll do some webbing around it. You're looking for that those homey touches that the spider supplies with its silk that show that it's picking this spot to create its den in. With fossorial species, pretty obvious. They're going to be burrowing. If your fossorial species is burrowing, has started building a burrow, you come in the next morning and there's a bunch of dirt uh, stacked up at the front of its den and you can't see it, that's an excellent size uh, sign. A lot of slings, even fo- it doesn't matter if they're fossorial or terrestrial, a lot of terrestrial slings will burrow. So if you've picked up a terrestrial sling, the LP, Lasiodora parahybana come, comes to mind readily. They will, when they're comfortable, they will dig. They will dig. They'll do some burrowing. A lot of slings are like that. They will do some burrowing. That's a positive sign. I've had people totally freak out. And that's another podcast unto itself with, oh, I picked up my spider and immediately burrowed. And I'm like, great. That's awesome. That's what you want. That's normal behavior. That means that they've settled in. For terrestrials, it can be tricky because, again, it comes down to posture sometimes. Some of them will not use their hides. I've had many, I have lots of specimens, like Formictopus. None of them use their hides. My brachypelmas are almost always out in the open. The only one that sometimes uses her hide is my smithy, my, or my behammeri, sorry, previously smithy. She often uses her hide, but the rest are pretty much, and, and even her, more often than not, she's right out in the open. So that, when it comes down to there, are they feeding? Have Do they seem relaxed? Like a lot of them, if they're sitting right out in the open and their legs are spread out, like your quintessential looking up the picture of a spider on the internet pose, then they're in good shape. They're probably settled in. That's probably the best you're going to get. So you don't have to worry there. 
One thing, too, that I didn't mention that you always want to consider, too, when they're settling in, I get this one a lot, luckily I remember to go back to this, is for the arid species. Putting in substrate that is too moist will often cause them to roam around the top of the enclosure. They will wander around up high. They will climb. So, for example, I got one a couple weeks back where somebody picked up. It was a Gramostola rosea, a larger specimen, and they put it in their new enclosure, and it's been hanging off the roof. So my first question was, was did you, what did you use? Did you use cocoa fiber and was it moist? And the answer to both was yes. I had a bag of cocoa fiber or a brick of cocoa fiber. I moistened it up, put it in there, and I figured it would dry out. So that's a situation where there are certain species that will that abhor moist substrate. They will avoid it. They will climb. They will try to stay away from it. So that's always something right off the bat. That's something you can probably change. I've had people go, should I leave it in there or should I change it out? If it's one of the ones that are showing they really abhor it and it's really moist and going to take a while, your spider's uncomfortable. You probably want to pull it out. That's also raising the humidity inside the enclosure to a point that's probably not healthy for the spider. So in those situations, take the substrate out. If it's cocoa fiber, you can take one of those big foil turkey pans you can get at Walmart. You can spread it out in there, put it in the oven on low heat for a while, usually a half hour, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour, depending on how low the heat is. And you can dry it out that way, but you don't want to put moist substrate in. That's going to take a lot longer for the spider to settle in. And then um, while on the topic of cocoa fiber, the other issue I found with cocoa fiber that people, that it tends to be a mistake some people will make, pack it down. When you put it in the enclosure, what happens is I think it's because it's so expensive. A lot of people buy it. I think ZooMed makes the rep. There's companies that make it just for the pet trade. And when you buy it, it tends to be expensive. So what happens is they get this big aquarium or enclosure and they're trying to make the dirt last and try to give it enough depth. So what they do is they just dump it in and they leave it all fluffy. A lot of tarantulas can't stand walking on fluffy substrate. They can't. I've seen them. They do this weird thing where they pick their toes up and then I get to like, I think my tarantula has DKS. No, it's the fluffy substrate. They don't feel comfortable walking it. I got a funny feeling they probably sink. It doesn't feel very secure. It doesn't feel like it supports them. So make sure if you're using substrate, you pack it down. I know there's a lot of stuff out there, people setting up enclosures and they leave it nice and fluffy, especially with the cocoa fiber. If you leave it nice and fluffy, eventually it's going to settle and you're going to end up with like a third or a fourth of what you thought you started up with. So if you have four inches, you're going to end up like an inch, inch and a half or so. It really does settle. Make sure you pack it down real well because that's another thing that will cause a spider to roam around. You'll see sometimes they're hanging out on top of their cork bark. They won't come off the cork bark. They won't come off the side of the enclosures. That's also something that you need to consider if your spider is not settling in in a reasonable amount of time. And finally, this last point, I I saved the end because I've covered it and I did a whole podcast on it earlier, but it does come up quite a bit and I've seen it come up a lot lately is one issue can be using a really large enclosure for a small animal. So I'll have people that, for example, I got another email, it was a tiny little avicularia, I think about an inch sling and they dropped it immediately into one of the Exoterra Nano Talls, the 8x8x12 inch tall ones. And this poor little thing was all the way up in the corner. It had done a little bit of webbing, wasn't eating, wasn't hunting. Always keep in mind, and again, we can discuss enclosure sizes. And I have people that will go, you know, it doesn't hurt to give them a lot of area. They have a lot of area in the wild. That's true, but do keep in mind that it's going to take longer for your spider to settle in. It can be more difficult to keep track of them. And I have seen many examples of people putting slings in large places, large enclosures, and the slings aren't eating or they can't tell if they're eating. Just make sure that if you're using a large enclosure, you keep that in mind when you set it up that it can take longer for the spider to settle in and find an appropriate spot. And again, back to our original point in the wild, they have all the space in the world to find a spot to settle in. 
so it is it wrong to put them in giant enclosures? No, but does it make it more difficult for you to keep track of your spider and for you to figure out if your spider's eating and for your spider to eventually settle in? Yes, I think it does. So that's something to always keep in mind too is the size of the enclosure should be taken into account. I put I, I share the story where I put my Pamphibedius antinus female in a large, I think it's like two and a half feet by two feet or so, a lot of surface area in that enclosure. And when I first put her in, I put a hide, I did the whole bury it thing. Well, she spent weeks just scrunched up in a corner, would not move from behind the water dish. She did not feel comfortable enough. I, I don't know, she didn't want to explore it. It took, uh, I think, a good two months for her to finally settle into using that burrow that I gave her. Now that's a situation that had I put, I didn't put enough foliage in it. I'll just call myself out for it. There was like no foliage in the thing. There was two water dishes and uh, one end of the enclosure and the other end of the enclosure was the hide. She didn't find the hide suitable at first. She found it more comfortable being behind the water dishes. She felt safer in there because it was tighter. And had I provided extra you know, foliage for her to hide behind. Had I provided an extra hide, she probably would have settled in more quickly. Plus, it was a much larger enclosure than she had before, so it probably felt very open. She probably felt very exposed. So there's a story with me not setting them up correctly to begin with. She did settle in. I do want to get her out of it. She's still in this enclosure. I just don't like it, and it's something I've kind of... I had other spiders in it, and I've stopped using them, so I do want to get her into something, probably a 10-gallon, one of those Lorax ones, I think would be a good one for her. But anyway, I just share that one because that was a situation where I did a bare-bones enclosure. I My only thought was this is a big spider and she's gonna have all this room she didn't want all the room she wanted to feel secure so all things to think about if you find yourself in a situation if you're new to the hobby this is going to be a big one a big one starting off it's going to cause some stress but your spiders will flat out even if all this stuff is provided even if you set up the perfect enclosure multiple hides plants everything it could still take a while for it to settle in although i i would I would be willing to wager it's probably going to settle in sooner than if you just give it a barren enclosure with nothing to hide behind. All of these are things you want to consider. And then again, the big point, besides just not being afraid to use multiple hides, is to recognize, because I know this is going to happen, that if you do make an adjustment after you pick up the spider, expect that it's going to reset the clock as far as it's settling in. Just know that you're changing things again, even if it's just you think they're trivial changes. Spider may register it as being more of a profound environmental change, which could lead it to obviously being more insecure in its environment once again. So always keep that in mind, but hopefully this helps some people out. I think I, I've done it. You know, I've, I've been doing this for a while. I do rehousings constantly. I actually enjoy rehousings. One of my favorite things to do is evidenced by the fact that I do so many of them in my videos, but I, I love tweaking the enclosures. I love playing with the designs of them. And I have situations sometimes where you put something in an enclosure and you come back two days later and it's like, wait a minute, why is it sitting up there? Why is it not, you know, taking shelter in these hides I've given it was we all do it and I think a lot of us have been in the hobby still go through it but I think those of us who have been in the hobby for a while recognize these signs we recognize when it's a problem we recognize when it's just normal settling in process and we also recognize sometimes that if we did put something in an enclosure that isn't the right enclosure for it or isn't the right setup we know how to quickly fix it and then we expect there to be some reset time but I think for those new to the hobby this can be one of those things that really as evidenced by the fact that I've gotten so many emails just in the past week about it it can be something that causes a lot of stress so hopefully in the future, people that ask this question, I can give them this podcast and they won't mind sitting through 45 minutes of me talking, but at least they'll get all the information you need as opposed to having me try to quickly hammer out the main points in an email that isn't anywhere near as thorough because, well, quite frankly, I'm trying to rush through the email to get the other emails I have. So fingers crossed this helps some people out. Fingers crossed you guys got something out of this. I think it's, and again, I, I, I struggle sometimes with the content because I had somebody the other day go, man, you do all this beginner stuff. 
when are you going to do some advanced stuff? I, I kind of think I do advanced stuff. I just try to, you know, obviously who's going to be out there searching for information. A lot of people are searching out for, for information, people just getting into the hobby. But I've also mentioned many times before that one of the reasons I like doing the Tom's Big Spider stuff, it's always causing me to reevaluate what I'm doing. So a lot of times you just get into a habit of doing something and you don't think about the finer details. Somebody asks a question, you want to answer it thoroughly, you have to go back and re-examine what you do and try to figure out why it works and what you've done to fix problems and change situations when they're not correct. I like that. It makes you really constantly, you're constantly evolving how you're thinking about things. You're constantly re-examining what you do. So I'd like to think that everybody finds something of value in these. So anyway, that will cover it for this one. It'll be curious to see. I'll definitely keep people updated because... I had the other day, I, I get these a lot and I, they kind of drive me nuts and I'll share it here only because again, I kind of use you guys as my therapist and Billy as well. Poor Billy has to hear these all the time, but I did the video recently with the top, I think it was a top 13 beginner species as chosen by keepers. And I had two people back to back go something along the lines of, Awesome video. So informative. Thank you so much. Could you give me some recommendation on some good beginner species? And you just kind of sit there and you stare at it and go, why did I just... <laughs> like, it's it's mind-boggling. And I think part of the problem is some people just want everything spoon-fed to them. And I don't mean that in a mean sort of way, but it's the only... It's the best way to kind of sum it up. They don't want to do the work for it. They don't want to do the research. They don't want to... They just want somebody to go, this is exactly A, B, C, D, E. This is exactly how you keep a tarantula. And it doesn't work that way. And I think for those of us who are really in love with the hobby, and I spoke... I just had a conversation with the keeper the other day that he said he's had more fun just learning about tarantulas before he's even gotten... Received his first tarantula. He said he's he loves... A lot of us love the learning process. We love when we pick up a hobby. It's not just about getting the animal. It's the buildup. It's learning about them. It's getting the animal, making observations, learning more about the animal, going, oh, I didn't realize this. Oh, I thought I had this set up correctly, but now I realize you could do it this way. It's it's the whole... It's it's We're like lifelong learners. I hate that expression because we use that all the time in teaching and it drives me nuts. All teachers should be lifelong learners. Yep, I agree. And, and I think it should be that way with people that are in the tarantula hobby there's always something out there new to learn and learning is it's it's a process it's it's a challenge sometimes it takes effort it takes work so it I do these videos, I do these podcasts with the intent of just dropping them into an email. And I, and it's, and I will say it has saved me a ton of time. I, I love when somebody asked me the other day about the sling thing. Like, can I drop a sling into an adult enclosure? I said, long answer, I said, long story short, I don't agree with that. Here's a podcast. If you have the time, listen to it. It explains my thoughts on it. And the guy came back like two hours later. He's like, thank you so much. Listen to the whole thing. Uh, you really explained it well. That gave me, that made me so happy because it's like, all right, this stuff, there's a point to this. Like people are actually listening to it, but oh my gosh, you'd be amazed. I, I, and again, I never want to be mean and seem like I'm calling people out or anything like that, but it can be so frustrating sometimes when you do stuff like this, you put it together, you try to explain it as best as possible and people don't even want to spend the time it takes. Like you don't even have to read it. It's not like the good old days where I would do the Tom's Big Spiders website and all the stuff was articles. And one of the reasons I started migrating over to YouTube and then eventually the podcast was the fact I realized a lot of people don't have the time or don't have the energy or don't like to read. Some people, reading's a difficulty. So they're not going to be able to weed through my wordy articles. So I started doing it this way, but it just blows my mind sometimes when you put this stuff out, you put all the time into it. I try to cover every single angle and the person can't even take the time to listen to it first before asking the questions that are already answered in it. So Anyway, fingers crossed. Sorry for the little rant there, but it's just always something I think about when I do these because it's like I try to cover every base. And then at the back of my mind, I'm thinking, but there's going to be that one person. So 
hopefully this will help out shorten up some of those, you know, the cues for the emails because that's been getting, I think a lot of it lately has been me trying to figure out ways to shorten up my response times for emails and stuff because I get a lot of, obviously a lot of people asking questions, a lot of people asking questions that are timely that they need an answer to. And when I get bogged down answering things, because I don't want to leave somebody hanging and be a total jerk and not answer them. But at the same time, it's like there's only so much time in a day. So I think a lot of it's a lot of my thought process is the more things I can do and more topics I can cover where I can just drop in a link to something, the more time I'll have to answer questions that aren't so neatly or easily answered in a podcast or a video. So sorry about the little rant there, but I feel better. So thank you. So anyway, that'll do it for this one. As always, you can find me at tomsbigspiders.com. Traffic there has been bonkers. It's been amazing. I got to start putting up some more articles because... It's been kind of cool watching the traffic blow up. But again, I think a lot of people are stuck at home right now. We're getting money in from the government. So what are we doing with it? We're buying tarantulas. And um, obviously, you can find me on YouTube under Tom's Big Spiders. Got a video I got to put up later today featuring my Afonapelma Calcotas. I got a lot of questions about these guys. They're very beloved in the hobby. And my little girl was actually one of the few I have that has a name. Her name is Nikki. If you want to find out why she's named Nikki, check out the video. Although I'll probably mention it next week. It has to do with the size of her booty. And we'll just leave it at that awkward way to end a podcast but a fun way to end a podcast so anyway thanks so much for listening hope everybody is doing well and we'll catch you all next time